Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And Adam, before you go too much further, let me introduce, or introduce, let me in, interrupt you for just a moment, if you will. This episode is probably airing around the Christmas time season. It's certainly being recorded in December, and, well, by the time the listeners hear it, it will be either a couple of days before Christmas or a week before Christmas. And I just wanted to say, if there was anybody out there who was you know, in the mood to, well, give a gift back to a certain podcaster. I've got something in mind. Adam, do you want to hear what it is? Yeah, I'm riveted. <laughs> I I have a six-year-old daughter, as some of you may know, and now all of you know. And so that takes my adventures out to Toys R Us from time to time. I don't want to grow up on a Toys R Us kid. The guy with a million toys and Toys R Us that I can play with. While we're doing the shopping for six-year-old girl stuff, I kind of geek out and go to the other aisles where, you know, the... You know, the Marvel superhero toys are, the Transformers, the... I don't think they really do so much with the G.I. Joes anymore. Um, and the, did I mention... It's a shame. Yeah, it's a crying shame. And I'm, I've actually been kind of underwhelmed by the Transformers offering that the kids have these days. I mean, when we were kids and we had our Transformers, they had, it came in the big box and they had the statistics in the back with the cutout card and the red thing that you put on top to, to reveal their stats and stuff. Uh, Sidetrack here. Did you know that Larry Hammer wrote all the uh, original uh, G.I. Joe uh, cards? I, I did, and you are the person who gave me that fact. Oh, well, yeah. I guess I'm rehashing old information. <laughs> well, I don't know that we've actually dropped that bit of information on this podcast. But uh, as we've talked about previous in the uh, uh, Danger Room, I uh, uh, I think the G.I. Joe run is not half bad, you know, the Larry, Larry Hama stuff. It kind of waxes and wanes, though. There's some there's some points where it, it really kind of isn't very good. But then it goes back to being good. But anyways, so, uh, yeah, the, the Transformers these days, they come on like a blister pack on a card. And, you know, I don't know. It's just not the same thing to me anymore as it used to be. And maybe that's because I'm older. But this is probably why I was so impressed by what I saw next. Now, when we were about 15 or 16 years old, maybe 14 and 15, Toy, was it Toy Biz uh, came out with a line of X-Men action figures? I think it was Toy Biz, wasn't it? I th- yeah, it sounds right. And it was like, for me, it was like the first time that somebody came out with like a really good replica of what it was that you were seeing. It wasn't like battle armor wolverine or you know um i don't know insert stupid thing uh character they were just like here's wolverine here's cyclops here's colossus here's uh, apocalypse and here's juggernaut the problem with the toy biz line is they only came out with like a small section of marvel superheroes i think and then i think they started getting stupid maybe like remember what they did with the teenage mutant ninja turtles no. <laughs> oh, well, like the original four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Shredder and Splinter, they, they were authentic from, well, the cartoon. But still, they were they were that. But as the company ran out of things to do, like they started putting them in samurai costumes and giving them spinning back plates and all these other really stupid things that were just never in the cartoons or never in the comic books. And 
So anyways, it's a long way of getting way, uh, to what I think Hasbro now has the line of Marvel superheroes. Have you seen these things? No. Okay, so they came out like a couple of years ago, and there's every character you could possibly think of in the Marvel Universe. There's AIM soldiers, there's uh, uh, Deadpool, Colossus, Havoc, Polaris, like B-level characters and A-list characters, and they're all authentic, and they don't have the, the stupid battle armor stuff, and they're really cool, but they're really expensive. They're like 12 bucks a piece. But the thing that I thought was really neat was, oh, and not only that, they had uh, Sunfire as an action figure, or uh, who was the Indian guy that that uh, is that was in X- Thunderbird? Thunderbird. They had Thunderbird character. I mean, like they were really digging in there and then creating these nice authentic characters. So you could literally go to the store and you could put together your dream X Men team or Avengers team or whoever of whatever characters from all of the eras, and that was that was super neat. But they're so damned expensive that I never got around to buying them. And so last year. Uh, and then this year as well, I was at um, Toys R Us, uh, and they had a um, scale Sentinel in the box with a nice blister package. And then uh, there's a character, or there's a, a Wolverine action figure that's like jumping towards the Sentinel's head, like in the blister pack, like it's a real action figure. And then the Sentinel character is like I don't know, twenty inches tall, eighteen inches tall. And it's really cool. It's really lifelike, but it's like sixty bucks. And I'm like, oh man, I can't pay sixty bucks for a Sentinel action figure, no matter how cool it is, right? So I see the thing this year as well. And I'm like, ah, oh, come on, two years in a row. I mean, normally they kind of cycle through this stuff pretty quickly. Still didn't get it. But right next to it, they also had like Marvel masterpiece action figures or something like that. And what it was was it was the original five X Men, but kind of in their X Factor uniforms with Mr. Sinister and Apocalypse as the villain action figures, all in this deluxe gift pack, and it was awesome, and I just couldn't bring myself to buy it. So I just wanted to vamp about how awesome action figures are today <laughs> and how <laughs> how I want them all, but I just there's no way I could afford any of them. So that's all. That was a great story. <laughs> what do you have to say about that, Adam? Were you ever let down by any action figures as you were growing up, or did you just not care? I buy pretty much everything I want, but I don't want a whole lot, so... Really? I think I just want too much stuff. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> <laughs> I go in there, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Like, I literally had to tear myself away. Because on the opposite shelf, they had, like... Walking Dead action figures and Terminator action figures and all of these like classic movie action figures. It's like, oh my god, like why, why are these all here to torment me? Yeah, see, I think at some point you just gotta say these are the ones that I really want. Well, I didn't buy any of them, so I don't have any of them. <laughs> well, there you go. You're all set then. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what, I, except for that darn Sentinel man. But sixty to sixty dollars. Sentinel is cool, though. You know how I like the Sentinels, Adam, right? I I, I didn't know. <laughs> okay. Well, I like the Sentinels. They're a cool villain. Well, They're anyways. Cool villain. I'll give you that. <laughs> Thank you. Anyhow, I guess I guess that's enough there. But uh, anybody looking for Christmas ideas could feel free to let me know that they're going to pick me up one of those, and I'd, I'd be a happy podcaster. <laughs> Because right now you're not a happy podcaster. You know, I'm, 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 it's Christmas time and I'm just sad. I'm just sitting here depressingly ready to read this all new, strangest teens of all issue of X-Men. You know what I like? I like the little, uh, I don't know what they're made out of, but they're like, 
they're these kind of hand size, like like a handful. Each each action figure is like a handful, and um, I don't know, they're made out of lead or something like that. <laughs> oh, what like um, the models that you have to paint or whatever? No, they're they come pre-painted. Uh huh. Um, and there's just they they like like you said they have pretty much any character you can think of. Mm. And they're just they're usually in these action poses. Sure. I have some of those, but they're plastic, and they came in these little egg things. Those are neat. I'll have to send you a link to these things. I bet you if they're like pewter or lead or whatever and painted, they're probably expensive. They're like 13 bucks a pop. Oh, my gosh. And they're probably – how big are they? Like like an inch tall? I, no, they're, they're, they're maybe two to three inches tall. Oh, okay. I, I bet you they're super detailed, articulate and everything. Yeah, they're pretty neat. There's too much neat stuff out there, I tell you. I uh, I have a handful of them. I have, let's see, I have four of them, and that's probably all I'll ever get. You know what? what uh, well, which four do you have? Let me let me guess. You have uh, Ghost Rider. Check. Wolverine. Check. Uh, you won't get the the next two. One of them's DC, and the other one is Galactus. Lobo. No. <laughs> well, Good guess though. <laughs> okay, who is it? It's Batgirl. Oh, Batgirl. Why why Batgirl? I I really liked uh, the. Well, the the bad girl that um, has the has the mask that covers her entire face. Okay. Who was like raised as some sort of assassin? Okay. Not Commissioner Gordon's daughter. Not that one. Not Barbara Gordon. I, yeah, exactly. Okay. I really liked that series. And Galactus, so, you just got because he's Galactus. Yeah, I, I Galactus is probably my favorite Marvel thing. Really? Okay. I love his ridiculous costume and his giant size. Yeah. Okay, so you like the campiness of him? Yes. I mean, he's literally, he's just a giant man, and somehow that makes him an alien. Yeah, and he eats things, <laughs> he, like planets. He, he eats planets. Nom, right. nom, nom. <laughs> I've never actually read the original Galactus stories, but... Yeah, you know, I was the only story I've ever actually read with Galactus was a What If Dazzler Became Galactus's Herald... And in it, he didn't like, you know, you imagine he's like a planet eater, right? So he's going to like start like eating like an apple or something, you know, but no, apparently like he sets up a machine or something and that machine like sucks off all the life and energy of the planet and he devours that. Yep. Oh, I know. knew that. Okay. Well, I mean, prior to reading that story, I was like, oh, yeah, he must be huge if he can just eat a planet. That's, that's crazy. His size varies. He does seem to grow and shrink depending on his needs. Anyway, they do have a Sentinel one, which is pretty awesome, but it's only available in the UK. Oh, man. Well, eBay. But then it's going to be like I, three times I would times probably the price. get that one, too, once it comes available for cheap enough. Mm. Like, yeah, it's on eBay for like 30 bucks. I'm not paying that much for it. <laughs> well, one of the action figures that I did not see in the Marvel superheroes run of Hasbro action figures is Sauron. Oh, whether or not that's I mean, I I may not just have seen him, but let's continue on with the strangest teens of all, Adam. This issue of X-Men is number 61, the October 1969 issue, and it is titled Monsters Also Weep. Hmm. Are they bi-monthly? Are they bi-monthly or monthly at this point? They're monthly. Okay. They will remain monthly until they go out of service. Yeah. Five issues away, folks. 
True that, yo. Okay, so on the cover of this issue, we've got Sauron, who has uh, his hypnotic eye beams blasting away at Angel, and it looks like they are below one overpass and above another overpass. There's a lot of roadway going on here. The four X Men, the four remaining X Men, watch in the distance. Yeah, there's like a there's like a bridge in the background, a bridge below them, a bridge above them, and then like a lone car drives on the bridge above them, <laughs> and then like three other like roundabout bridges or something. They're just like bridges that go up, and then they're just like giant U turns. And as detailed as that sounds, it's really not. No, it's very plain. These cars are awful. <laughs> they are probably the worst cars. Uh, yeah, they're like. In fact, I don't think any of these cars have wheels. I think you're right, Adam. They're all hover cars. <laughs> it's like the Jetsons. This issue takes place in the future. Do you see that itty bitty car on the bottom? The itty bitty yellow car that that could possibly be a Volkswagen, but it's like, yeah, <laughs> does It's completely the wrong uh, scale for anything. It's a cute little car. Well, there it's you go. A, it's a very two dimensional car. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and on the front it says "On the Wings of Death." So let's let's just tear right into this thing, huh? Here's my problem with Sauron, and it starts on the cover, and it will continue throughout this issue. I can't wait for this. He wears pants. Oh, I was going to mention this. He wears pants, but on mine, his pants are the same color as his body. Yours? Yes, same okay. color as his body. And I want to know, like, how convenient is it that his tail? grows around his pants oh yeah like it grow it, it uh comes from his back yeah that's just bizarre mm. that is weird I, I feel like the design is very poor in order to enable him to have both pants and a tail i bet you that he originally drew him naked i mean you know with with no genitalia or anything right. and uh you know somebody was like "Ooh, neil you gotta put some pants on him <laughs> That's, Probably. That's my only guess. And it was like too late because the colorist had already gone through and colored everything green. So he's like, crap. Grabbed a pen and just did some quick outlines. <laughs> yeah, he probably just sketched in some pant lines here. Mm-hmm. Threw in a belt. <laughs> it is kind of dumb. But the first page isn't too terrible. It's a little confusing. Like in the foreground, you get this giant menacing uh, Sauron head flying towards you. Um, but in between the beak, or on the opposite sides of each other's beak, you have Sauron and Angel, kind of continuing their battle from last issue. Your eyes. <laughs> yes. Your eyes. Angel is singing Peter Gabriel, and he's <laughs> holding up the boombox like uh, What's-His-Face did and Say Anything, John Cusack. Sauron's the girl that he was hopelessly in love with. It's touching. Uh, it's edited by Stan Lee, written by Roy Thomas, drawn by Neil Thomas, inked by Tom Palmer, and lettered by Sam Rosen. Yep, and so the next page is uh, another one of these two-page spreads in which the panels are kind of diagonal, offset, but spread across both pages. And essentially what happens here is that Angel gets... Well, Angel was caught staring in, into Sauron's eyes, and something happened. Sauron disappears from Angel's view, and replaced by them, as he conveniently tells us out loud, mm -hmm. are monsters, three of them, and each one uglier than the rest. Yeah. Well, I guess if you go from right to left, they are uglier than the last. Well, yeah, right to left, yeah, because the left one is definitely the ugliest. 
Although technically each one uglier than the rest doesn't make any sense because that would mean that each one on its own is uglier than the other two combined. But then so the you take you you know, you can't cycle through all three of them and do that. That doesn't make any sense. So the phrase should probably read each of them uglier than the other. Each of them uglier than the other. Each of them uglier than the last. Ah, sure. Now there's a lot of like really phoned in dialogue in this issue. <laughs> I feel like Roy Thomas is not giving it his all in this issue. Oh, I feel like he is, and and this is where we, this is where the men get uh, divided from the children as far as writers go. Sure, I think he's trying super hard, and he's failing miserably. And he's looking at Neil Adams' art, and he's like, "I got to step up my game." I mean, listen to this. Fly, angel, flap those soaring skyborne wings, and perhaps you may live long enough to find out. Find out what? What's oh, going on here? What's going on? What in blazes is going on here? He eventually realizes as he's flying around that one of his wings goes through one of the ugly flying creatures. And this leads to his discovery that these must be some sort of, I don't want to say holograms, but they're not there. They're illusions. And he's not quite sure even though he realizes they're illusions, he, he's not quite sure why they're not disappearing until he decides that he'll fly straight into the gaping jaws of one of them. And it's at that point that it disappears. <laughs> right. He also says, sure, that's it. Mirrors. Somebody's fighting me with mirrors. I'm not sure where he leaps to that conclusion or how he leaps to that conclusion. Uh, yeah. Smoke and mirrors. That's a word balloon I could have done without. It's him, yeah, no, that's a completely meaningless word balloon, but he's trying to, he's working it out in his own sort of angel sort of way. <laughs> so they all disappear, but it turns out that Sauron is still behind him and he was real. The guy in the mask, so you were for real anyway. And um, more than you, more real than you dare imagine, mutant, for I am not a mask and my name is Sauron. There's another two-page spread and we get kind of a, a flashback of oh, a, a seriously poorly written flashback. Oh, it's terrible. Of, um, basically, Carl Lycos's origin as he turned into Sauron on the back of Sauron's wings. It's kind of a neat spread. It's a it's a neat concept, but I don't like how it looks. the The writing of this is like if you if you were to read all of this out loud to somebody as to try to explain to them what happened, and, and you read it this way they would not have a clue what was going on. Yeah. And I was it's terrible. And I, we won't bore you with the details, but as I was exactly. re reading it, so he says, for I am not a mask. My name is Sauron. And he's got the kind of jaggedy uh, word balloon. And then the word balloons that are inside of his winged flashback are also jagged. So I was kind of like, is he, is he talking to angel about his origin? But then in the third person, <laughs> Yes, because I don't know. It's a mess. Is basically what it is, and it's, it serves. It really serves no poor purpose. But maybe on the other hand, maybe Stanley, because Stanley's always had this kind of like each comic could be some child's first comic. So maybe he was really big on like, look, if you're gonna do a two parter, you need to let everybody know what's going on before you before you move forward. I almost think wonder like maybe this was just a giant spread that Neil Adams put together. And when he turned it in, they're like, no, you need to figure out somewhere in there to put some backstory. And so they, I doubt it. You think so? 
Yeah, I, I think they did this on purpose. I think, I mean, definitely. I think without these panels, this would be a pretty boring two-page spread. Uh, I suppose. Okay. I mean, we, we would have an entire page dedicated to Sauron's wing. It's, a, it's, it's an incredibly detailed wing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, okay, maybe that was another up. nice shot of Sauron's tail coming out from his back mm-hmm. right over his jeans. His jeans are now blue. Yes. And he's got the satchel that he stole or the purse. <laughs> <laughs> the lady's purse. I'm all for Stanley's idea that every comic should be a first and you should tell people about it. Although I think with today's audience, you can pretty much pick up from any issue and figure out what's going on by yourself. In one issue, or do you think it takes a couple of issues? I don't. I, I think if you if you can't pick up a comic and figure out from that one issue what's going on, when I and you don't have to figure out everything about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you can't if you can't follow what's going on and just be able to be interested based in that comic, that and is not have to go back and read everything. That is not well written. Well, then you're probably not a comic reader. It's time to give up. <laughs> I think because, I mean, the very first X-Men comic I picked up was in the mid-200s. Not, I mean, early 200s. And uh, I didn't know I didn't know how they got to where they were, but, like, I was able to pick up the story and understand the story and kind of go from there. And then as you go, you kind of pick up the pieces as to how they got to where they were when you first started. Yeah, it's once you really get into it that yeah. you start developing that collector's mentality and then you start picking up the back issues. Right. But you shouldn't have to, I don't think. Pick up the back? No, I don't think I ever... Well, I mean, there's certain details that they drop every now and then. They'd be like, remember when, you know, Professor X died? And you're like, oh my God, Professor... You know, I don't know. There's certain story elements. What are you saying? Professor Professor X is dead? He's dead. Didn't you read the X-Men number 42, Adam? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> And he never comes back. Ever. <laughs> Anyways, Zoran is flying around, uh, again, under some bridges. And he's talking about, uh, he's going to, his plan is to, I guess, confuse and lose Angel through the swooping bridges and some, or something like that. With his superior flying skills. Which is dumb because he just developed his superior flying abilities. And Angel's been uh, training for three or four years now. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't really think of that. I just assumed that Sauron was superior. Huh, well, okay. But as he's flying around, he is shot in the back by Cyclops. Oh, no. The the other X-Men have miraculously shown up uh, exactly where Angel and Sauron happen to be. It's a good thing they, they aren't over the sea anymore. <laughs> that's a very good thing. Sauron knows that these are the mutants called the X-Men, so that's handy. Watches the news, I guess. And uh, Marvel Girl tries to stop him with mental a mental bombardment, and uh, Sauron kind of scoffs at that and stares her in the eye, and she starts hallucinating that the other X Men are monsters. Yeah, and you get this kind of neatly uh, drawn. Well, not Iceman looks terrible, but Cyclops and uh, uh, Beast look kind of cool, and they're very oddly colored. I like it; it's like a watercolor. Yeah. Well, there's like no shading going on here. So well, it's maybe like that's all, yeah. it's all single color and all the shading is divided by 
thin single lines. So it's like Iceman turns into a goat, Beast turns yes. into a gorilla, and Cyclops turns into like a vampire. An evil version of Cyclops. <laughs> Basically. Uh, and so Marvel Girl's like, oh, what? Uh, um, oh, she's surprised by what she sees. And the other X-Men are like, what's wrong? And they're all scary looking. And Beast figures out that uh, I suspect that she's viewing. Oh, Cyclops says, you look like you've seen a ghost. And Beast says, I suspect that she's viewing three of them, Psych. And their names are Iceman, Cyclops, and Beast. How does he know this? Um, I, He can probably tell. That, I don't know. That she's from... hallucinating or that she's been mesmerized or hypnotized by Sauron? Yeah, Beast is a smart guy. He put two and two together. He saw Sauron staring at her and he saw Marvel Girl turn around and be all surprised and, you know. Okay. He, he pieced it together. Okay. Go Beast. All right. Sauron starts to gloat about his his new... Well, his ability to hypnotize has been magnified by his new form. Right. So he was a hypnotist as a doctor for the stress relieving, but now he can he can hypnotize even more crazily. He speculates that he can bring someone under his power by staring at them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And while he's speculating this, Angel punches him in the face. But doesn't really seem to phase um, Sauron all that much because he grabs Angel, but then Beast swings around and punches him in the face. Sauron. Luckily, they're very close to a bridge again, so Beast was able to get in there. And he kind of recoils backward a little bit, and some some things here that don't make any sense. So he says, so the bludgeoning Beast wishes to lend an ample hand. Beast says, oh, that sounds like one of my lines. Sauron continues to say, you don't know who you're battling. Um, Angel says, that's for sure, except that he knows his grammar. I don't understand what that means. And then he changes thoughts and says, and now, just that you're in the right position, take him, Iceman. None of that is connected uh, in any sort of way. We, it's right. We, we really don't know anything about you, except that you know your grammar. Just like Beast uh... pointed out. Okay. And then he happens to be in Iceman's path. Uh, Sauron thinks that they're just joking or, mm-hmm. or trying to fool him to turn around, that nobody's really behind him. But Iceman, in fact, is behind him and uh, freezes a wing, mm-hmm. which causes Sauron to get very upset, remembering the cold that he loathed. Loathes, lo, loathes, loathes, loathes. He loathes, lo, wow. He loathes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Loathes, you thought it would be easy. I did. He loathes <laughs> the cold. Loathes. He does not like the cold. <laughs> he hates it. And of course, Soran breaks free. Just as and, every villain does. Yeah. And then he causes sm- Iceman to, he breaks the ice slide. So if you break the ice slide in the middle... Iceman no longer has support. Because he says, he broke free, shattered my ice slide, I'll fall. To which you're looking at all of these ice slides and there's no supports and there's at least, I don't know, 150 foot of ice slide. Like, really? <laughs> okay. But if, there is, like, if, it, if it isn't touching the ground, 
his ice slides no longer will support him. Yeah. He builds it in such a way that it's like so well, (laughs) it's so well grounded from like that, that initial touching of the ground. Well, him and the professor did a lot of physics research and they figured that if they started at, uh, with a certain mass in the ground and then spiraled his way upward, like the actual spirals would uh, provide support for the rest of the ice slide. So it would seem. Yeah, so as it's collapsing downward, it's actually reinforcing itself. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, this is another uh, gram- gram- grammar thing I didn't quite understand. Uh, Marvel Girl apparently has come out of her hypnosis because she catches Iceman as he's falling. Uh, Angel says, and I'll get Sauron, dash, dash, dash. And then we cut to... And maybe I'm reading this wrong, but it looks like then we cut to Angel or uh, Havoc, who's uh, still in the, on the bed or whatever at Doctor Lycos's lab. The phone's ringing, and obviously nobody can get it. And then Angel continues his thought and says, "Or know the reason why." And I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, that doesn't make too much sense. Um, yeah, I'm trying to understand what he means by "or know the reason why." Uh, the, the, the three Alex Summers balloons are separate. They just, I guess they're happening they're happening simultaneously. That I can, that I can accept, but it it almost, Angel's lines almost work better if you read them right after, uh, the box above Havoc, which says, while back at the office of Dr. Lycos, a phone clamors harshly, but Alex Summers does not hear it, dot, 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 exclamation point, or know the reason why, (laughs) you know, I mean, like, doesn't make Mm -hmm that much sense but it makes a whole lot more sense than i'll get sauron or know the reason why my guess is that there's a word balloon under the box that uh (laughs) (laughs) alex his phone balloon is on and uh you know i don't know i i like that solution (laughs) somebody accidentally covered up a word balloon so uh, Sauron flies again uh, underneath the overpass and uh, realizes while the phone is still ringing by Alex Summers, who is now awakening. Uh, right. There's a phone in the office where, in Carl Lycos's office, where Alex Summers is sleeping or, I guess, unconscious. And the, the phone is starting to wake uh, Alex up. So... I guess the inference here is that as Alex awakens, Carl Lycos's absorbed mutant powers are dwindling? Like, are they related? Yes. How can that be? Now, I've always had a problem with this. And it... it, it, it spoilers, but for those of you... Uh, who have read rogue seems to exhibit the same sort of powers. When she absorbs somebody's powers, that person falls unconscious and she keeps their powers. But then as that person awakens, she loses the powers. But how can that be? Cause I mean, couldn't, you know, Carl Lycos here, he's pretty far away from his lab, right? So how can the, the two phenomenas be related? I don't know. Like, at least with the um, living pharaoh, there was, like, the cosmic rays. Like, while he's out, I can have all of the cosmic rays. But when he can have the cosmic rays, I can't have any of the cosmic rays. I just don't like the inference that, like, as he wakes up, Lycos gets weaker. I mean, they, they should be unrelated to one another. Well, he's an energy vampire, so it works sort of similarly. 
um, as long as he he's got Alex Summers energy because Alex Summers is unconscious. So the amount of energy that Alex Summers is able to put out is nothing while he's unconscious. So it's like a one as he starts waking up, he's using energy and Dr. Lycos no longer has access to that energy. So it's like a one for one thing. So like if, if he stole 20 of my powers, once I got all of my 20 powers back, he would have no powers left. Right. Cause it'd be like a, like a an inverse sign or a yin and a yang, basically. Something like that. Okay. Wow. I'm glad I have you along for this podcast, Adam. I never would have drawn that connection. But that. I mean, I I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it kind of. It's reasonable, but here's my problem with that. Now, um, this and 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 stay with me for a while. Uh, it takes a um a pound and a half of meal to to produce one pound of chicken. In other words, it takes more energy to create something than you get out of it. So it would almost make more sense for both of these people to be completely out of it before the other one comes up because you never have that one-for-one one ratio. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now I'm overthinking it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Whoever was calling Carl uh, Lycos' office hang, hangs up. She's got... It's a woman, I think, because it's got very dainty fingers and wrist, and there's um, bracelets, yep. three, three different bracelets. Um, and, and so at this point, Carl Lycos is, well, I mean, Sauron is kind of changing back to Carl Lycos, and he's still flying, and he's worried that he's going to fall to his death. So he he attaches himself to the underside of a bridge, waits for Angel to swoop by, and then grabs him. And uh, hypnotizes him. Mm-hmm. And basically says, you will take me back to my office. I dare not retrieve the loot I stole tonight. It must be the purse. <laughs> he dropped yeah, the purse. I didn't see the purse anywhere, so he must have done, uh, dumped it somewhere. It must have been a pretty valuable purse. <laughs> this is how I'm going to start my road to fame and fortune and wealth. Just S- Some homeless guy is going to find that. <laughs> Yeah. We'll find out about that in issue 64. Uh, yeah. So off or uh, the other X-Men are wondering where um, Angel is, and uh, they see Angel flying out now with a man, and they surmise that Angel has defeated uh, Sauron until Angel just keeps flying away, and they lose all of their trust and decide that Angel is helping him escape. Although, to be fair, uh, on the next page, Cyclops says that he thinks that Warren was under their enemy's control. Yeah, I suppose. Jumping ahead a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so before that, though, just just a hair before that, Angel flies Dr. Lycos into his window and uh, quickly changes into his doctor garb, but notices that there's uh, a woman in the next room and thinks it must be that pesky nurse. He also tells uh, Angel, you may leave now, Angel, but you will remember nothing of where you have been. But you shall again hear from Carl Lycos. Hmm. So he walks in, he puts on his medical jacket and walks in, and it turns out it's not his nurse at all, but his one true love, Tanya. <gasps> I thought you were still in school. Garsdale, my darling, you know that your father has forbidden us to see you to see me. 
It's a... And it turns out that it was she who phoned the office. Mm-hmm. She had a sudden fear, a premonition that something dreadful had happened to him, and she needed to see him. Wow. So maybe she's a mutant, too. You needed me, and I wasn't there. Hmm? That was her uh, premonition. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, the X-Men have changed into their civvies and are arriving in a seeming hurry at Carl, Carl Lycos' office to pick up uh, Alex. Yeah. They haven't even, How coincidental. <laughs> yeah, they haven't even gotten the phone call, but uh, I guess they're deciding that, well, I mean, Iceman, or Bobby says, I still wish we'd had a chance to look for Angel first, but they all kind of brush him off like, shut up, kid. Let's go get Alex. <laughs> Do you really think Warren was under our enemy's control? It's just a hunch, Gene, for now. now. First, let's see about taking Alex home. Yeah. This is very, like, uh, convenient that they... Uh, this this plot makes no sense. So, um, just a quick little interjection, if you will. I don't know if your uh, omnibus does this, but the mutant mailbag is now in the middle of the comic book. Oh, no, it's still left to the end. Okay, in mine here, it's it's in the middle, and it's only one page long. Yes, mine is all... No, mine's mine's actually five pages long. Of letters? Yeah. Hmm, what the heck's wrong with I my... I just made that up. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> Adam, like, we're reading two different volumes. It's impossible. <laughs> no, it's one page. Okay, well, there's nothing interesting that happened on it, but I don't know, it's, it's a bad sign when they put the letters... Uh, column in the middle of the comic book and drop it to one page, I think. Really? I don't know. It's a change, and I don't like change. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is the first month that the bullpen bulletin appeared or something. I don't think so, no. I've seen plenty of bullpen bulletins in, in these comic books. Oh, okay. Okay, well, anyways. Scott and the team are rush into... Dr. Lycos's office to see Alex and Dr. Lycos shaking hands. Alex says, you're out of sight, Doc. Remind me to get sick again real soon. Who <laughs> says that? <laughs> I don't know. Carl, who are these intruders bursting in this way? Uh, newfound friends, Tanya. Hopefully they shall be very close friends. <laughs> in, 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 fleck, in, 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 Never mind. I can't say the word. Inflection is mine. Okay, moving on. Uh, Scott comments on how good Alex looks. Alex says he feels great. There's a nice little reunion here. He was under hypnosis the whole time, so he doesn't know what the doctor did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanya's Tanya so... Tanya's very proud of Dr. Lycos. She shall be happy to be called his wife. That's a really weird way to ask to be proposed to. <laughs> <laughs> he I... says that's impossible you know that your father would never allow and then uh what's going on oh his her her father shows up for once you speak the truth carl lycos papa you followed me even here i would follow you to the ends of the earth daughter to stop you from marrying the one who is not worthy of you this man is a charlatan a fraud and shall die a pauper I will not have you share that fate. I will not. I am of age, Father. If Carl wants me to, I sh if, if Carl wants me, I shall. Carl busts No, I in. can't marry you. I won't marry you. Not while the shadow of wealth falls between us. And then Dr. Anderson uh, 
Tanya's father says, you are being sensible, Carl. That makes you a much bigger man in my eyes. This is just so days of our lives. <laughs> all the word balloons are yellow on this page. Yeah, there's like no backgrounds. It's all like, I don't know. I, I don't know. The emphasis is completely on these characters. Dr. Lycos loses it. He's like, you don't understand, Tanya, but you will. Soon I'll have wealth at this, and disposal and power. Enough to take hold of what is mine. You're raving like a madman, says Tanya's father, who just one panel before said <laughs> thought that he was a bigger man in his eyes. So Carl ruined that. Yeah, just in, in the matter of seconds. You're a bigger man in my eyes. You're a madman. And then he says, You'll never see this man again, do you hear? Yes, I hear. She slams the door. The, the X Men are still there. Oh? <laughs> I'm sorry we got in the way, Doc. Just wanted to stick around to say thank you for what you've done to me. Didn't feel it was too appropriate to leave just then while you were yelling at the dude <laughs> and, and, and the woman. And your girlfriend, who's not your girlfriend <laughs> anymore, who you made cry. Uh, how much do I owe you? <laughs> I'll send you my bill. But it shall be a bill such as no man has ever paid before, he thinks to himself. A it shall be a bill to fulfill my wildest dreams and make your most vivid nightmares. It shall be a ten gazillion dollar bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he gets into a maniacal laugh and it's crazy. Ten gazillion dollars, man. That's a lot. Yeah. I wish Roy Thomas would not have written 10 gazillion in the comic book. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, they make it back to the mansion and uh, Lorna explains that Angel just came in, didn't say anything, sat down and uh, stared at the wall, stared at the wall. At which point um, Bobby says, hey, maybe Dr. Lycos could help him. And Angel. and Angel hears the name Lycos and f freaks out. No, don't let him near me. I must get away. I must. At which point Beast clocks him. <laughs> this will aggrieve your nerve endings more than mine, Warren. Scop. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't need to clock him. He knocked him unconscious. He knocked him unconscious and then they tied him up and threw him on a couch. <laughs> That's terrible. And I guess they've now... Uh, put together the puzzle that Dr. Lycos is a bad guy. I guess. Yeah, so they so they go back to the X-Men uh, suit up to go get him, and they leave Alex and Lorna behind to well, do now some research. Well, now you're forgetting about a very... I, I'm not... I haven't skipped it yet. But... At which Iceman says, just see that that's all you do, Alex, is just do some research. Remember, Lorna's my chick. I'm nobody's property, Bobby, except my own. But this is neither the place nor the place, time nor the place to talk about that. <laughs> wow. So there's uh, some bad things going on there. Bobby's going to get a broken heart soon. Serves him right for what he did to Zelda. Well, he's a, he's a, I mean, he he's just a jerk. Who, Bobby? Yeah, he's just like, Lord is my chick. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's not how you talk to women. <laughs> not even in 1969. They're almost liberated. I know. When I came to visit you over around issue 50, every time I tried to talk to your wife, you were like, just remember, Adam, that's my chick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she actually was like, I'm nobody's property. <laughs> <laughs> that was really weird. 
Who who knew? She must have read this issue. Anyways, <laughs> Lorna, meanwhile, sometime later that night, Lorna's doing some research and she stumbles upon a missed passage in one of the professor's notebooks that uh, states that Dr. Lycos is called a non-mutant variant. He's like a collector's item. <laughs> yes. He is a... F- Ooh, did you get the latest non-mutant variant? It's foil embosed. <laughs> yeah, but Alex, he's had he's had a rough couple of days, so he fell asleep. Oh, poor guy. And small wonder, of all us mutants, his is the greatest ter- power, the most terrible power, including, it would appear, a certain power over little Lorna's heart. Oh, and she's got a crush. What the hell's wrong with her? Iceman or Alex? Pick one. You can't have them both. He's a handsome guy. I suppose. Well, she was into Iceman before Alex came along. Good point. Good point. She hears something behind her. She assumes it's either one of the X-Men. No, she assumes it's Warren stirring out of the couch. But it's not. It is Dr. Lycos who steals some of her power and turns into Sauron. Thank you for musing aloud that you are a mutant girl. Did That's she? some clunky dialogue there. Did she muse that she was a mutant? She did. She said, of all us mutants. Oh, stupid. Okay. Totally stupid. Bad dialogue. Uh, Sauron reminds us that she's unconscious, and with the energy gained from her and from the two who sleep, I am prepared to begin the final act of this macabre drama. So he sucked them all dry. <laughs> He's gross. <laughs> <laughs> so he bursts in on what I'm assuming is someone's hotel room. It has a big study in there, though. Look at those. There's like library books in the back, you know, like a mansion type thing. But they couldn't have gotten back to their mansion, could they have? No. I don't know. Maybe. I doubt it. They're probably at a hotel, really fancy hotel that gives them like, uh, well, it's pre-internet, so they're like, you can have the Encyclopedia Britannica room. Right. Anytime you want to look up some information, just grab one of the 38 volumes. Thank you. That will be acceptable. <laughs> Tanya, class of Dom, please. Anyhow, uh, he busts in and says, I'm Sauron. But, uh, doc- I'm going to kill you. Dr. Sor or Dr. Sauron. Dr. Um, Anderson. Paging Reno- Dr. Sauron. Paging Dr. Sauron. But yes, yes. <laughs> I might hear. Dr. Anderson realizes that it's the voice of Carl Lycos. Tanya. But he's changed. He's become something unspeakably horrible. She states the obvious. <laughs> At which point, Beast bursts into the room and kicks Dr. Lycos in the face. To which I say, how do the X-Men know where they are? Well, Adam, in the next page, Cyclops says, since the office was deserted, we rushed here. Where? (laughs) I don't even know where they are. (laughs) Well, because, that's a good point. They went to every single hotel and they're like, we're looking for Mr. Anderson. And every hotel was like, oh yes, we have a Mr. Anderson here. (laughs) Because Mr. Anderson's one of the most common names that you could possibly have. I have no idea how they made their way to this particular place. But Iceman points out that they arrived in the nickel of time. Uh, Maybe that's a 60s phrase. (laughs) They got shortened to Nick. It could be. The origin of Nick of time. Um, 
Marvel Girls. At this point, Carl or uh, Soran says, "Oh my gosh, I almost killed your father." Well, but it's it's even more abrupt than that because Marvel Girl says, kind of off the cuff, that thing would have murdered Doctor Anderson, and apparently that little off the cuff remark changes the entire uh, context of everything for Soran. Yeah, makes him realize that. A, if he did kill her father, she probably wouldn't like him anymore. And B, that the evil side of him has gotten to take over the other side of him. Which in the last issue, he's like, oh, power, I've got so much power, good, evil, I choose evil. (laughs) (laughs) So. Well, he he thought it was right then, but he's changed his mind. Okay. Well, that's good. So he's reformed, and uh, he's he's so disgusted with himself that he flies back out the window and says that he needs to go somewhere where nobody can ever find him. Cyclops says and points out everything for the non-astute reader. <laughs> Looks like Lycos had a battle with himself, and the good side won for now. Well, that's that's uh, tied with how many battles the X Men have won. So, <laughs> good job, good side. But where could he be going, Tanya? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> but, but she thinks to herself, I do know, I do. But no one must find him before the girl who loves him. No one. Sauron flies above the cloud line to a place where it's colder. But he must keep going. He's flying hour after hour. So he's he's he's. it's a transatlantic flight that Sauron's doing. <laughs> And he's, he is flying back to Tierra del Fuego, mm-hmm, which is back to the cabin that he was born in. And as he's getting closer to, to to Tierra del Fuego, he realizes that he's running out of energy and he's losing altitude. But it's okay because there it is. He basically lands just as he turns back into Carl Lycos. And he has decided that here he is going to end his life. And I, but it's not that easy. And a day later, he is fully clothed and hovering by a fire. Is it a day Can't later? Just clinging to life. Is it a day later, though? Because it says, but death comes slowly, even in the snow-swept heights. And, I mean, time has progressed because as he opens the cabin, it's covered in snow, and he's just in pants. And the next panel, there's a wood stove, and he's got some clothes on. In the next panel, he says, oh, it's been a full day now. Ah, okay. And, okay, so how often, I mean, how quickly did he think he was going to die? <laughs> um. Well, if he, I guess if he hadn't put on clothes or lit a fire, he would probably be dead by now. Yeah, but that would be such an uncomfortable way to go, don't you think? Well, you know, that's what he's saying. Can't resist clinging to life. Mm-hmm, okay. Well, he's still hoping that the blackness will come soon, uh, but unfortunately he hears a familiar voice say, Carl! It's Lori from The Walking Dead. (laughs) She's back. It's Tanya. She's found me. Oh, Carl, thank heaven I reached you before the others. And Carl... You're so wildly at me, my darling. And he's he's witnessing her rushing at him, and he's like, wait, if I touch her, I'll kill her. But maybe that's what I want. Dear Lord, what am I thinking? Mm-hmm. And he starts running away from her, and he jumps off a cliff. 
It's more like he falls off a cliff, I think. Okay, okay. I'll give you that. Well, he does say there's only one way out. I know that now. A way I must take. And then he falls off the cliff. So I don't know. One yeah, of the two. I'm going to say he jumped. Okay. Tanya attempts to, well, apparently Tanya attempts to jump after him. But the uh, the cliff grows an erection that stops her. <laughs> yep. She gets the tip right in the face. <laughs> This is a rather vulgar panel. <laughs> no, no, it's not a, a frozen penis, Adam. It's Iceman. <laughs> He's made an ice shield that she runs. Oh, oh. that she runs full speed into and s- smacks her face uh, against, and starts beating against the ice chunk. And the cold. He always hated the cold, and now it's taking him from me. I'll hold the shield in place mentally, Scott. But only if she'd let us, if if only she'd let us here. And so we didn't have to follow her. (laughs) But she knew that the others were following because she says, oh, thank God I reached you before. Whatever, it doesn't make sense. Maybe it's best this way, Gene. Two beings struggled for supremacy within Carl Lycos. One of them a monster. But it was the man who won out even in death. And somehow we must find strength in that. How did Cyclops figure all this out? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. He's really into That's this whole like advice man looking down the cliff. Oh, did he fall <laughs> down there? <laughs> Where did that erection come from? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't actually. That wasn't an ice shield I made. I <laughs> literally think that. Yeah. Well, the next issue is called Into the Abyss. Indeed. Ah, uh, so there you go. The beginning and end maybe, of Dr. Carl Lycos and the creature known as Sauron. Indeed. And here we've reached the, the letters pages in my, in my version, or the letters page. Mm-hmm. I thought there was an interesting letter, actually, um, where somebody asks, why don't you tell us who does the coloring? Oh. And they reveal that the reason, well, actually, I'll just read it. As to the reason why we don't include coloring credits along with those of editor, writer, artist, and letterer, the answer is simple. When the book is edited, its last step before being sent to the printer, we still do not know just who will color the job. Of course, we have a reasonably good idea on certain strips, but we can't be certain that any info we'd print would be correct. Though Nefarious Neil has indeed colored all of his X-Men issues to date, who's to say that next month he won't be too busy to do so? Hmm. So there you have it. Neil Adams has been coloring the Neil Adams issues. Nice. Not only is he a good artist, apparently he's a decent colorist, for the most part anyways. I guess I can't really complain too much about the colors. I mean, it's still just four colors, isn't it? Is it? Well, I mean... I feel like there's got to be... Yeah, but I mean it's four color printing, so it's all those little dots create the the actual different color. You know what I mean? All right. Yeah, the four color printing pr- press or whatever that it is, which comics use used. Well, mine's all recolored, so. Oh yeah, yours probably looks really nice. So then the question is, did Neil Adams recolor yours, or did they just use a computer? They probably used a computer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we got an email. From yeah. the past into the future. Now I'm confused about like the 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 time paradox here, but uh, some of you may remember that Matt Booth emailed us, and we gave him a shout out from the future because he was in the past. He was like 20 or so episodes behind, and he finally caught up to the ish episode in which we read his email. And so now I'm reading this, and uh, 
who knows where he is in the time loop. Well, he's still in the past because he's uh, says that he just finished issue issue fifty, I guess. Fifty, yeah. Uh, but er, episode fifty three, issue forty nine. But you never know; he might have gone on a marathon. Yeah, I suppose he could be caught up at this point. So, welcome, welcome to the present, if you are here yet. <laughs> welcome to now, man. It's now. So for the longest time, uh, actually since September 21st, we've been uh, at 26 uh, um, reviews on iTunes, and we thank each person that's actually gone out there and done uh, uh, done a review for us. And on uh, the 28th of November, we got our 27th rating from Moose Landis, and we appreciate it. Although the title, it's like it just says pretty good, and I'm kind of like, oh, all right. It's, <laughs> You gave us five stars. Couldn't you give us a little bit more excitement than pretty good? But he does go on to say, I dig these I dig these readings. Can't wait until you guys get to the all-new, all-different X-Men. We so, can't wait either. Neither can we. In fact, we're skipping the rest. We're going straight there next issue. Forget about the last five issues. We're going right to giant size. Actually, let's just skip all of that and go to Jim Lee's number one. Okay. <laughs> and start from there. Maybe 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 you're just reading it incorrectly. Maybe it's like pretty good. Oh. Or pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe you're right. I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt and be like, maybe maybe there's lots of uh inflection in there that we just can't see in text. Pretty good. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. Uh, yeah, and so for those of you that would like to reach out to us, we can be reached at www.redcapproductions.com forward slash danger room. Um, you can go to danger room doc, or wait, we couldn't go. You can email danger room at redcapproductions.com or also visit us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash danger room or follow our Twitter feed at danger room go. Slow clap. Now the question is, will I be able to retain that uh, name? We'll see. <laughs> I think that's about it, Adam. You got any, you got any closing thoughts you want to leave our leave our listeners with? Uh, hmm. Let me uh, something good here. Um, yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody! Until next week, the danger room is closed. I don't want to go up. Don't want to go up.